Hundreds of stories, documents, photos and videos published by people from all over Europe. This is My History, a collaborative project organised by the European Parliament, which brings history and the lives of Europeans together. This is Magdalena's story. Nazywam się Magdalena Mateja, z domu Czajkowska. My name is Magdalena Mateja. My maiden name was Czajkowska. I'm a wife and mother. I work at a university and I research media and social communication. I live at the crossroads of East and West, at the frontier between these two worlds. Magda was born in the 1970s under the rule of Edward Gierek. She grew up at a time of economic crisis in Poland, when communism was faltering but still strong. Social discontent was growing. Magda remembers Communist Party dignitaries in kindergarten and school, omnipresent propaganda, obligatory May Day parades, but also the emerging awareness of falsehood, resistance to communism and the cracks opening up in the system. I have a photograph from a party at kindergarten. There was a middle-aged man there who had a mysterious air and wore dark glasses. He was the party secretary for the district. I remember people like this being present at school at various celebrations and above all at the obligatory May Day marches that took place in a nearby town. As I grew up, I slowly began to understand that our system relied on a certain type of coercion. As soon as I was a little more mature, I started working out different ways of getting out of attending the May Day parades with the whole school. I did everything to avoid carrying propaganda slogans and banners. School itself was a very interesting experience, because even back then, I had a sense that I was participating in a great collective delusion. You could feel the effects of censorship in the content of textbooks for Polish history, for example. Certain things were not allowed to be spoken about openly or had to be discussed in a veiled way. One subject that was obviously prohibited was the Katyn massacre. But we still managed to find out about everything. Papers could be passed around at school, and in nearby Torun we could get hold of illegally printed materials with forbidden content. We read the poetry of Milos and Herbert, poets who were disapproved of or temporarily banned by the authorities. My dad would listen to Radio Free Europe at home. In spite of the buzzing and crackling of the jammer, information reached us through this forbidden radio station, bringing visions of a different world. The 1980s also meant shortages of basic items in shops, long queues for everything and ration cards for food and shoes. But Magda remembers instances of solidarity, resourcefulness and kindness among people, as well as the food parcels from the West that helped people to survive. Even obtaining basic foods was a major headache. They used to say that you can obtain, you can make a deal, but you can't simply buy. You could buy almost nothing. In order to get hold of something, you had to have a ration card for sugar, meat, butter, shoes, chocolate or alcohol. There was an additional card for luxury goods, such as chocolate or alcohol, but you had to choose one or the other. Having a card did not guarantee that you could actually buy something if there were no products in stock. It was difficult to get quality meat or sausages using a meat card. We had to stand in long queues, sometimes all night, hoping that the goods would arrive and still there wouldn't be enough for everyone standing in the queue. My dad was lucky enough to have an orchard. He handed over crates of fruit to the shopkeeper at the back of the shop, 
who in return sold him various goods without him having to queue. This fruit was commonly referred to as a token of gratitude. The same was true for furniture or bathroom tiles, and people resorted to various strategies in order to fill up their fridges or decorate their flats. I also remember the food parcels that came to Poland from the West, particularly during martial law. They were distributed through the parishes. That was the first time I experienced European solidarity. They brought us oil, powdered milk, jams, biscuits and poppy seeds. Mimolette cheese enchanted me back then with its incredible colour and taste. It was bright orange, delicious, hard, sharp and distinctive in taste. It had a fantastic texture that could be cut easily. In Poland at that time, every cheese, even if you could get hold of it, tasted equally bad and had the same consistency. Mimolette cheese was completely different. It was a tangible sign that things could be different. On the 13th of December 1981, the communist authorities introduced martial law in Poland. For children of Magda's age, this was a generational experience symbolised by the disappearance of Teleranek, the much-loved and only television programme for children. On the morning of the 13th of December 1981, instead of a cheerful rooster inviting children to watch the programme, a serious general with dark glasses, Wojciech Jaruzelski, appeared on the screen. Citizens of the Polish People's Republic, I address you today as a soldier and as head of the Polish government. I address you on matters of the utmost importance. Our homeland stands at the precipice. What we have achieved over many generations, the Polish home we have built from the ashes, is facing ruin. It turned out to be an incredibly harsh winter. I have images in my mind of soldiers warming themselves up next to the braziers. I remember heaps of snow and snow spinning under the tank tracks. It could be said that Poland had been overwhelmed by the cold back then. It was as if people were stuck in the deep freeze. My parents argued after martial law was declared. My mother was strongly opposed to the methods used by the authorities, while my father tried to understand things from their perspective and the possible consequences of conflict between the democratic opposition and the communist authorities. Ever since then, my mum has had a negative attitude towards all authority. Under martial law, people had no access to information and a curfew was introduced during which people were forbidden from leaving their homes. It was also forbidden to leave your place of residence. Even visiting the neighbouring village required you to show a pass. The dream of freedom endures. The people are not submitting to the system. Solidarity is growing in strength. In Poland, the Polish United Workers' Party and the opposition sat around the table together for the first time, and the first free elections were held in June 1989. Without bloodshed, the population of Central Europe managed to overthrow their repressive systems. The elections of 1989 were an incredible experience. I was 17 at the time, almost an adult, and I understood a lot of things. My dad was a member of the Electoral Commission. He came back from counting the votes at 5am and said that the revolution had begun. 
At that time, we already knew that the results would significantly strengthen the opposition. There was hope for change. Years pass, and Magda is finishing her studies in a free Poland, starting a family, and as a citizen of a democratic Europe. However, clouds are once again gathering over Europe, and new threats are emerging. Magda wants her daughter to live in a free world, and she thinks about the future. When I think about Europe, what comes to mind is the myth of the abduction of Europa. Zeus, in the form of a handsome bull, abducted the beautiful Europa and spirited her away to a distant island. Europa is not only terrified following her abduction, a whole host of other emotions flash across her face. This is what Europe, modern Europe, is like. It combines various contradictions that interact with each other and prove vital to each other. Europe never gives up. This is also reflected in another painting, Liberty Leading the People by Delacroix. Here again we have a portrayal of femininity and valour. Liberty takes the form of a woman. Europe is a woman, and the hope of Europe is in women. Women are Europe's future because they're determined, multitasking, brave, hardworking and communicative. Women are rebellious and strive for emancipation and equality. They can take care of other people, and I think that they will also take care of Europe. What worries me is that after 30 years of living in freedom, we'll lose the thing that we Poles dreamt of for so long, that once again we will lose our democracy and that tensions, conflicts, anxiety and falsehood will return. For me, Europe is a safe haven, a path to follow and a bastion of values. I'm grateful to it for providing peace and security and for the importance it gives to health, culture and education. In Poland, we're in a unique place and time, at the crossroads of East and West. We are the East in the West and the West in the East. We connect two different worlds in ourselves and in our culture. We're living at the crossroads. This was My History, a project of the European Parliament in collaboration with people from all over Europe. If you're interested in more podcasts from the European Parliament, look online for Europal Audio or go to the portal of My House of European History.